welcome to episode 101 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today's episode is all about how to put together a total body strength workout for yourself. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? It's episode 101. We passed that big landmark. The big 100. Hundo. Um, so, yeah, so if, if you notice, we switched up the intro a little bit, health, fitness, and nutrition instead of health, fitness, and business because we've uh, we've recently started a podcast specifically for personal trainers and aspiring personal trainers, so go check that out if you're one of those. Um, it's called the Achieve Mentors Podcast. Uh, so we took out the business. It, it didn't really, it never really made any sense to begin <laughs> with, um, but it had a better ring than health, fitness, and nutrition. So if you all have any suggestions on how to make that a little bit smoother of a uh, intro or like a spicier intro yeah spicier maybe. yeah yeah it just doesn't have a lot of pizzazz yeah like business was good because it was like business like <laughs> burning like i end, i end the sentences with bees that are like you know a little more emphasis <laughs> um but yeah, we but, wanted to just kind of separate. We felt like sometimes the episodes got a little convoluted with like questions from trainers and then questions from people who are just fitness enthusiasts and trying to figure out how to um, navigate those questions and have it all in one place. And we thought it got a little confusing sometimes. So now all of these Achieve, Ask Achieve show podcasts are going to be geared toward fitness enthusiasts. So people who are trying to learn more about fitness, who are just kind of like going to the gym and trying to learn things on their own. And then we have our Achieve Mentors podcast that's going to be more for fitness coaches and um, personal trainers or aspiring personal trainers, people who are looking to get into the field. So those questions might be a little more like about what certifications to take or things like that, that a lot of the, I know a lot of our listeners are kind of like, they'll probably just pass over those, right? Yeah, <laughs> Because exactly. they're like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. So <laughs> now we have them in two separate places, so hopefully that makes things a lot more streamlined. A little bit more specific. And, yeah, um, yeah this is going to be our second week of being back on track, right? So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a little bit of a hiatus there for the holidays, but I'm sure people weren't really listening to podcasts. Or maybe they were. They're trying to escape family time. They're just listening to podcasts. <laughs> they might have been. <laughs> um, but cool. Yeah, so this, um, this episode was sparked from a multiple-questioned, um, like, questions from one person on our latest Instagram post and they basically said for folks who are new to fitness or still intimidated by building workouts what are the basic movements push upper and lower pull upper and lower Um, I get confused when deciding which exercises to combine and we thought it was actually a good idea to just simplify the program making process and also just give you a little bit of rationale of how we put our programs together for our members that achieve and then just some like just general thoughts that uh, that might help you out when putting together your own program. Yeah, and so we won't go over um, like necessarily how to progress a, like from program to program or anything like that. We'll kind of give yeah. like a general outline of like generally how you can get started. And then I think we've done a couple other episodes about like progressive overload and how to continue to build your strength over time. But this is going to be more about like from one program to the next, how to kind of structure it generally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just start with what the general layout of the program looks like. Yeah. So typically one, um, a program will have anywhere from two to three to sometimes four different workouts in it. Yeah. Um, so a program is something that you follow for an entire month, typically. Mm-hmm. And within that month, it depends. We, we just base it on how many times a week you're going to be working out. So if you think I can commit to two times a week, we write you a two-day-a-week program, so an A and a B. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's three times a week, we have an A, B, and C day. And if it's four, A, B, C, and D. We recommend 
erring toward the side of the the fewest that you think you'll get in in a week. Yeah, definitely. Um, because if you try to aim for three and then things tend to keep coming up and you only get two, you're going to feel like you're not getting all of the things that you're supposed to be getting from your program and mm -hmm. you're going to feel like you're failing at it. So definitely err on the side of, of less. And then worst case scenario, if you get an extra workout in that week, you can just go back to the A side. So you can go A, B, and then A again. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's just kind of like what a program mm -hmm. generally is. And, you know, uh, going uh, expanding on that a little bit further, the reason why we want a program instead of just creating workouts kind of on the fly as you go along is because after a certain while, maybe three or four months of doing some something along those lines where you just kind of piece together programs, you're going to want something a little bit more formalized that allows you to really track your progress and measure your success and also allow you to kind of like plan for the future as well to kind of like project what's going to happen. Because um, if you just... If you squat on a Monday one week and then you squat like two weeks later on a Friday, like you just have nothing to really base what numbers you're going to be using. And also it's just tough for your body to adapt when it has that few of a stimulus um, from week to week. So it just really helps just guide and just map everything out. Yeah, it sets up some consistency, which a lot of people think is not good for fitness. A lot of people think like, oh, you should always change it up and it yeah. should always be different. And you do need to change things up every once in a while. But if you change things up every workout, you can actually never really measure your progress and you can't yeah. really have anything to compare to week to week to see if you're really getting anywhere. Yeah. And then and then what happens is we tend to only measure our success or our progress by the weight on the scale because or like, you know, your how your clothes are fitting and mm -hmm. we tend to those are the only metrics we have when we're doing random workouts. But when you have a program, you can actually look at the metrics of how much stronger you're getting. And you can actually see that in writing. And so for the people who are more detail oriented and data oriented and need to see their progress, it gives you another option for looking at progress besides weight loss because I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but mm -hmm. it just becomes so draining to always be thinking about that. Yeah. And that really isn't what training is all about. I mean it can be for some people and it's fine if that's your goal, but it shouldn't be the only focus or the only way to see, am I doing well in the gym? Yeah. And that, and that's from a physique standpoint and even from a strength standpoint, it's uh, it's important just to like gain practice and gain repetition and just let your body just groove the same patterns over and over again. And mm -hmm. I always uh, equate it to golf, which is funny because I don't golf, but it's <laughs> like, you know, if you have multiple clubs, right? You've got a driver, you've got different sets of irons and a putter, and then you also have different aspects of your golf game, whether it's your short game, your long game, your drive, your medium range game, your uh, shooting out of a bunker. Like there's so many different variables that if you just do one randomly each time you go in, you're never gonna get better at that specific part of your game. So you really need to have focused, dedicated points in your training regimen to have dedicated times to do putting work and then to do long game work and then to work on your driver. It's really the only way to get better because then you can really groove and get that repetition to refine your technique. Otherwise, you're just kind of like just doing random bits of trial and error. Right. Yeah. Right. So. so that's just to justify or explain <laughs> why we put programs together in the first place because yeah. that's not always that obvious. Yeah, especially because, you know, there's like the advent of like P90X where it's like a new workout every day for muscle confusion and then there's <laughs> wads, workouts of a day. So it just, and on, if you go on Instagram, there's always like a new workout that seems to be like a, like each person is just putting together a workout. It's like, this is what I did today. And it just seems a little bit more willy-nilly rather, but if you look behind the scenes, they're following a very structured program. Right. So we just wanted to clear that aspect up. Yeah. So, cool. okay. So the way that a program 
like would work. So say we have a two-day week program. Let's do that yeah. as an example. Um, so we typically program the same warm-up for both days of the week. Yes. Um, we just do, we like to do a total body warm-up that usually takes about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We spend a good amount of time warming up. That includes time foam rolling. So the first thing that we, we do or that we have people do is spend a little bit of time on the foam roller, getting some of the, you know, major areas. So mm -hmm. upper back, glutes, calves, quads, yeah. IT band. Just gets the blood flow going a little bit and also just helps to um, loosen up the muscles a little bit as well. Yeah. So we start with foam rolling. We do that for maybe five minutes. And then we write down typically how many warm-ups, like six to six eight. Six to eight or so. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, how we break that up is really a lot of times just based on joints. And um, one of the theories that we abide by is something called the joint by joint theory. And this was created by a physical therapist and a strength coach. Um, their names are Greg Cook and Mike Boyle. But basically, they came together and they were like, oh, uh, you know, what's interesting is that the body is made up of a series of joints and each joint, they alternate in sort of what their needs are. And so like, for example, your foot tends to want stability, your ankle tends to want mobility, your knees stability, your hips mobility, your lower back and core stability, your T-spine mobility, your shoulder stability, and uh, your, your scapular, sorry, uh, shoulder blades, scapular stability, and shoulder mobility. So they just alternate between needs of mobility and stability. And so basically what we tend to do is just break them out. So we'll say, okay, we're gonna need something that works on ankle mobility, we need something that works on hip mobility, we need something that works on shoulder mobility, T-spine mobility, shoulder stability as well, and then we just break it out in that fashion. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we try to tie it all together with a couple moves that pertain maybe to the movement of that day, um, maybe like a Spider-Man lunge or a squat to stand um, that basically integrates all those joints together because it's important to make sure that your whole body is moving in one, you know, in one unit because that's what everyday life is. You can't just break apart joints like that and break apart movements and muscles like that. So right. we like to in incorporate all of them together at once at the end of the warm up. Yeah, we think that this is a really good way to go just because it, especially because the program that we're talking about is a total body program. So because you're gonna be using all of those joints in mm -hmm. your workout, we might as well mobilize and, and get all of them warm and going before the workout. So if you were doing like just an upper body day, you could argue that you only need to do upper body warm ups. Or if mm -hmm. you're doing just lower body day, only lower body. But we think that there's just so much benefit to getting mobility work in every time you go into the workout that you yeah. might as well do your whole body and kind of get everything moving. And then, like Jason said, incorporate it all together into bigger movement patterns. Yeah, I mean, especially given like our population that we work with is just the general population that come in after, let's say, a nine to five job where they've typically been sitting down for most of the day. It just helps to get a lot more movement into their system just on a daily basis. So that's why we recommend total body workouts for our members and total body warm ups for our members as well, just because we want to put in more variability in their everyday lives from a movement standpoint. Yeah. So that's um, how we start. Yeah, and actually in the show notes, I'll just jot down like ankle mobility, um, uh, foot stability. Like I'll jot that all down so that you kind of have a reference for um, what I just talked about because I just kind of spoke pretty quickly about it. Yeah, and I think we have an Instagram post somewhere that has like total body warm up. Yeah, it's probably yeah. kind of far down. Yeah, and if you look <laughs> at our Instagram feed, this is the reason why we have like you know our top ankle mobility drill, or here's some hip mobility drills, or here's some shoulder mobility drills. This, this is the reason why we break it up in that manner instead of just like here's an upper body warm up or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's just a little bit more specific. Yeah. 
Okay, so that's the warm-up. So foam roll, do your joint-by-joint warm-up, integrate all of those things together in the warm-up, and then that's been about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. The next thing we do is power development. And we do this for everyone. A lot of people think power development might only be for athletes. We think that everybody can benefit from some form of power development, um, but it just very much varies, like, what we actually do here so we usually start out with medicine balls that's the easiest thing for like kind of um it's not a lot of impact it's like the lowest impact power exercise we know that not everyone has the ability to throw medicine balls against the wall unfortunately Mm -hmm. i wish every gym had that (laughs) capability but not everyone does Um, but if your gym does that's where we would start is different medicine ball power drills Mm -hmm. yeah and then i mean then from there if you don't have access to a medicine ball or access to like a cinder block wall where you can actually throw the medicine balls at you know you can do things like a plyometric push-up where you kind of leave the floor Mm -hmm. or if that's too difficult for you all you need to do is just put them on a bench so get your hands on a bench and do your plyometric push-up from there um squat jumps yeah squat jumps box jumps um hops from like one leg to the other where you like bound um just exercise is basically where you do something that is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it does two things. One is that it just, it basically ramps your system up. It's like, okay, I'm ready to do my strength. I'm ready to just do something that is strenuous. And it's just like bringing things up from that standpoint, from a nervous system standpoint. And number two, it just helps to gain power. Um, one thing that we tend to lose the quickest is our rate of force development, which is our power. And the reason why... Uh, members of the senior population tend to have a difficult time standing up from like a desk or a chair is not due to lack of strength, but rather a lack of power. They just don't have the ability to generate the force needed to come up from to a standing position. And so it's, it's why we think it's so important to develop power no matter how old, or, how old you are or what background you have or what your current if you're an athlete or not, like it's just very important to do. Yeah. Um, and then if you're a little bit more advanced, we also will throw in kettlebell um, swings or mm, snatches yeah. at this point, or we might throw in barbell Olympic lifts. That would be way down the line. We usually yeah. wait a few years of somebody like really having built up a lot of um, repetitions with the barbell with mm-hmm. just some of the general powerlifting moves before moving on to Olympic lifting. But that does fall into this power development category. Yeah. Um, we also sometimes put Turkish get-ups here. That's true, yeah. So that, that's not technically power, but it's kind of doesn't always fit. It's just such a total body move. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, like Jason was saying, like the importance of being able to generate force. Like the get-up is just the importance of being able to get up and down off the ground, which is, again, a skill that we really want people to have. And so I think that because it's such a skill, we sometimes separate that up into the power development yeah. section. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and that takes us to our strength portion. I would say that the power development, by the way, is probably anywhere from five to 10 minutes, maybe. Oh yeah, it's quick. And yeah. we just do like three sets of anywhere from five to eight reps. Yeah. And yeah. we want the reps low. We don't want this to tire you out because if it starts to tire you out and you start to fatigue, then you're not actually accessing your actual power. You're just kind of going through like, like power endurance a little bit. And that's yeah. really not what we're looking for. We want to see like very mindful, very intentional power with each and every throw or each and every plyometric push-up in each and every jump you don't want to just like go through the motions while you're doing it and just like tire yourself out right um so yeah that basically gets your system going for the strength part of the workout you know i think probably the easiest way to simplify it is going through three supersets right so for strength for strength yeah. yeah so an a1 a2 we'll call it 
a B1, B2, we'll call it, and a C1, C2. We'll just, you can break it up in any really number of ways that you want, but this is just kind of a baseline way you can do it that you can kind of like think about it um, internally. Yeah. Um, and the way we set up our strength workouts are not muscle group based. Uh, we don't think that's necessarily bad, but we just prefer movement pattern based. So instead of thinking like back and buys and chest and tries and isolating muscle groups, we again, we want the, to target the body in a total body fashion because that's just how your body functions on an everyday basis. It's, everything works in unison together. It doesn't think about, okay, I'm gonna use my quad right now and then my hand, like everything works together. So we like to go with patterns. And so the patterns that we like are the squat pattern, the hinge pattern, pushing, pulling, single leg stance. So single leg would involve like lunging and step upping and single leg deadlifts, that sort of thing. And then uh, the core pattern. Did I miss anything? Nope. But with pushing and pulling, we have, this mm. is upper body pushing and upper body pulling. And we have vertical pushing, yep. horizontal pushing, and angled pushing. So there's almost yes. like three categories within that that we can talk about. But for the general like layout, just push and pull is all you really need to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so basically, um, if you have two workouts in a week, you basically have and you have three supersets you basically have so three supersets is six exercises right yeah and if you follow a two-day workout that's 12 exercises total we try to get some as much of those patterns as possible within those 12 exercise categories if that's if that makes sense yeah, that makes, that makes sense. sense right um and so basically a1 and a2 is always reserved for the biggest priority for that day and typically, this is what we call our main lift. And typically, if someone is has progressed to, let's say, the barbells, uh, we'll go with a heavier barbell movement. So this could be a back squat, it could be a deadlift, it could be a bench press. Or if someone um, isn't quite yet to barbells, this could be a kettlebell deadlift, it could be a goblet squat, it could be a, um, a split squat. It's just something that you could clearly load up from week to week and see progress from week to week. It's typically the exercise that you're going to use the most weight with. Yes. Um, and it's going to tax you the most because whatever exercise is going to tax you the most, you want to put at the beginning because you don't want to be fatigued with the exercise that's going to tax you yeah. the most, right? <laughs> so the exercise that you think is going to be the hardest one of the day that you're going to use the most weight is going to take the most energy out of you, mm -hmm. put it first so that you're not already tired going into that. Yeah. And then our A2 movement is some sort of mobility or stability drill that supports and hopefully enhances the first exercise. So let's say, for example, someone who is a little bit stiffer throughout the hips and ankles, they have squats programmed for that day as their main lift for their A1. Their A2, we might go in and perform a, or program in a, an ankle mobility drill or some sort of hip opening drill to sort of pair with that so that they go hand in hand and so that they kind of synergistically work together. Um, or let's say someone is, uh, who, who practices yoga regularly and they just don't need that much mobility work, but they could benefit from stability. And we notice them as they squat down their rib cage and pelvis, they open up and their lower back starts to arch. And that kind of irritates them a little bit over time with their lower back. In that case, maybe we'll program in, let's say a marching exercise or a dead bug exercise, some sort of stability drill that will actually help out their squat more so than a mobility drill would for that individual. Yes. Um, so that's how we program in our A1 and A2. Um, you know, another example would be, let's say, 
a, um, let's say a bench press. If someone is doing a bench press, sometimes for our A2 movement, we'll do a, a band pull apart. So basically we get a band, uh, like a super band, and we pull that apart um, in like a, you look like a standing T, basically, the letter T. And you pull that back and you squeeze your shoulder blades together and you get your shoulder blades um, engaging together. And that's important because during the bench press, you want to keep your shoulder blades down and back as you go through the movement. So again, it's some sort of stability movement that enhances the A1 movement. Right. Cool. So let's move on into uh, B1 and B2. B1 and B2 are typically movements that are, you can still challenge yourself and load up pretty good, but it's just not quite as technically challenging as an A1 movement, right? Yeah. So, so let's say that your your A1 was a back squat uh-huh. um, or, or was a squat, the heaviest squat that you can do, whether that's a goblet squat or a that's back true, squat. Yeah. Let's say A1 was a squat um, that you're, you're working to progressively week by week get heavier and heavier on. And the A2 was a mobility drill to help your squat. If you're going next, so you've done your squat pattern, now we have the other four to choose from, yeah. right? So we just start to pick from whatever we haven't used yet. So because we've already used squat, we can go with hinge, single leg, push, pull, or core. Yep. We have five things left. Um, so usually because we just did a squat, we just tax the legs a little bit, we'll put some upper body moves in yeah. to, to the B side mm-hmm. um, or to the B section. So we'd probably go with a, either a push and a pull combo mm-hmm. or we'll do a push and a single leg or a pull and a single leg because single leg is a little bit less demanding. Yes, yep. Um, and so in that case, we could do, let's say, um, a dumbbell chest press. It could be a push-up. Push-up, yep. It could be an overhead press. Um, really any, anything from that pushing category. For pulls, it could be a TRX row. It could be a dumbbell row, a pull-up, an assisted pull-up, any of those variations. In terms of single leg, like I was talking about before, you can go into um, lunges, split squats, single leg squats um and rear foot elevated split squats yeah single leg deadlifts um and then for core work we like to go with anything from marching and dead bug exercises to planks to side planks um uh body saws and stability ball work there's just there's so many rotation presses yeah there's so many different core variations Um, we could probably do a whole podcast on different ways to train your core that's true actually yeah (laughs) maybe we'll do that in the future actually yeah um, but for now, we'll just say core. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for hinge, uh, this could be deadlifts. It could be uh, stability ball, hamstring curls. We kind of lump that into the category of posterior chain development, basically. Um, it could be Romanian deadlifts. It could be, you know, we can go on and on with different exercises within the, these categories. Um, but we tend to go with options that, again, are a little bit less technically challenging and ones that you can just use to... Um, you know, fill in those categories. Yeah. So if squat was your main lift for your A workout, then you did a, so you did squat and a mobility. Then for your B and B1 and B2, maybe you did a dumbbell bench press and a single leg deadlift. Yeah. And then for C1, you did a pull up. And for C2, you did a dead bug. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty good total body routine. So then when you go into your next day, what we didn't include there was hinge. That Mm -hmm. was the only one we didn't include because hinge tends to be one where you can put it as your main lift. Yeah. Right. So we maybe we would save the hinge from that um, A workout and put it in our B workout. If we didn't have hinge as a main lift, then maybe we would have done something like a kettlebell deadlift or an RDL or a hamstring curl, something like that in the C 
section. Of yeah, exactly. The or, I mean, to advance it even further, when you did push and single leg work for your B1, B2, that single leg could have been a single leg hinge, like right. a single leg deadlift. Right. So there's a number of ways that you can combine it to make sure you hit the patterns. But this way, now you just have a very good understanding of like, there's six patterns that you want to work and you've got certain um, allotment of exercises that you can work with and you just kind of plug and play and make sure that you have some balance within it. And so if you have a three-day workout program, you can also do it this way. And now you just have 18 slots to work with. Um, So there's infinite ways that you can break this apart, but hopefully this just gives you um, a general guideline of what to follow um, with this. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then, you know, like Lauren was just mentioning, there's even further breakouts of push and pull where you can go with horizontal pushing and pulling, angled pushing and pulling, and purely vertical pushing and pulling. So suddenly you can really break this up into further categories, right? Yeah, um, and so if you're, when you are looking at your two days, say you're on your two day a week program, if your A day has a push up, that's a horizontal push because you're pushing out in front of you. Mm-hmm. So then for your push on your B day, you might want to consider doing either a vertical or an angled push. Right. So either an overhead press or an angled barbell press, like mm-hmm. a landmine press, um, just so that you're still adding a little bit of variety into the patterns that you're working with. Yeah. Um, the same thing with pull. If one day your pull is a pull up, that's a vertical pull because your arms are overhead pulling down. So then for your B day, maybe you do something like a bench supported row where it's a horizontal pull where you're pulling from your hand being toward the ground to up toward your like the middle of your body. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, adding some variety there also again opens the doors for just more variety within the programming because mm-hmm. when you think about it as just okay, I have six patterns like you might be like, well, how many different like how will my workouts ever change? Yeah, like yeah. It, will it always <laughs> be the same, but there's so much variety within those patterns. Yeah. Now that um and then moving on to like C1 and C2, Lauren touched upon it earlier, but C1 and C2, we like these to be more accessory-based movements that are very much uh, just easier on the body because more than likely we're probably in a pretty fatigued state at that point. So we we want it to be like pretty foolproof in doing repetitions of, right? So, you know, we like things like, um, three things that we like to consider are, number one, we will, we like to target areas that could use strengthening so a lot of times like let's say someone is a runner a lot of times their posterior chain could use more development because they're working their uh, anterior chain more so their quads and stuff like that they're working more we could use a little bit more hamstring glute and calf activity so sometimes we'll like to program in stability ball hamstring curls or a single leg deadlift like Lauren was talking about Um, anything that basically works the backside that doesn't require too like heavy of a Thing, right yeah, yeah um and then the second part is uh we like to incorporate um exercises that someone just wants to improve aesthetics on so if someone wants hypertrophy in a particular area like glutes is a common one or pecs or whatever or arms we can throw that in there and again it's just like a very isolated movement that isn't too taxing on the body um, and then the third is if there is any concern for injury prevention or injury rehabilitation is so someone has a shoulder injury we might program in some rotator cuff work here if someone has a lower back injury maybe we'll throw in some more core work there Uh, something that really pertains to whatever that's affecting them that's kind of the gist of a c1 c2 category yeah yeah 
Um, some other things to consider, um, we like to pair together, um, generally speaking, non-competing movements. Right. So we don't really like to go with, let's say, a squatting movement followed right up by another lower body squatting movement. Um, we think that's a little bit redundant and also the two exercises will pull away from each other a little bit. So it'll fatigue, both of them will fatigue you rather than supporting each other, right? Um, you know, the only instance that, that we might do this is if someone is more advanced and they could tolerate and they could withstand that fatigue and basically we get more like time under tension with their lower body. So we might program in a goblet squat with the Romanian deadlift. Once one exercise works the quads and the anterior part of their bo lower body and then the Romanian deadlift works the backside of their body. So we, we can kind of pair it that way, but that's more of an advanced style of programming there but yeah. for the most part we like non-competing yeah um, I definitely about grip strength? yeah that was the next thing there's other um little components to this as well so I wouldn't typically pair something like a um say you're doing reverse lunges and you're holding dumbbells a dumbbell in each hand you probably notice when you do those that your forearms start to get a little bit tired mm -hmm. so if you try to pair that with a pull-up for example where you're you really need good grip strength in order to do that the reverse lunges that you just did are actually going to take away from your pull-up strength because you already taxed your grip so instead we might pair pull-ups with something like a back squat where the bar is on your back you're not having to use your grip at all and then you are totally fresh, basically. Your forearms are fresh for your set of pull-ups. Yeah. Um, this goes for like pairing um, deadlifts with pull-ups as well, mm -hmm. um, or deadlifts with any sort of rowing variation. If you do a set of rows and you're doing a lot of reps and then you try to deadlift, your grip may fail you before your legs fail you. Yeah. So those two things can just pull away from each other. So think about the implement that you're using and what you need to use in order to hold that implement in place and try not to make the two exercises be the same so that you're taxing either your grip or your shoulders or whatever it is that you have to use to, to hold the device. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, and then I, I guess that brings us, um, if this is something that you're interested in, um, to the conditioning aspect. Right. And so we will program in, like nothing crazy, anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes or so. I would say the strength part maybe takes 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, it really depends. I would say yeah. anywhere from 25 to 40, really. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and then the, the finisher is just like 5 to 10 minutes of just metabolic uh, intensity work, um, typically. Unless they are... An athlete and they want more aerobic work then we'll program in that but for the most part people just want to end their workouts on a little bit of a high note a little bit of a sweat and a burn quote unquote um, and uh, we, we just throw in exercises that again aren't too um, technically challenging like something that we wouldn't want to do is like high repetition box jumps like that just would end up like poorly if someone misses the box you right. know um, but something that might be easier on the body and a little bit less technically challenging is are battling ropes. So we love the ropes a lot because yeah. it's so, I mean, there's no impact basically. And if someone has a lower body injury or even an upper body injury, it's just like, it's very easy to push, uh, like us wave the ropes back and forth really quickly and get a big metabolic effect without really, uh, having any sort of impact on the body yeah and it's super it's super taxing, super like, taxing right away yeah. it doesn't take long so you can do you know usually we early on for the first couple times we have people do ropes we program like five rounds of 20 seconds of work followed by 30 seconds of rest yeah and that gets people like i mean that's really hard totally <laughs> when yeah. i do that myself i'm like this is really hard <laughs> cool. um you know other movements that you could do are like like we talked about medicine balls before we like to throw in like a medicine ball circuit where they're like throwing 
medicine balls from side to side and then overhead and then slamming it down. So that's a good way to get some metabolic effect. Uh, pushing a sled, again, low impact. You're just driving into the floor, but not like jumping. Um, uh, an erg, like a rower machine. Oh, yeah, rower, the a bike. bike. Yeah, I mean, you can even do like Stairmaster or like those kind of things if you only True, have yeah. like those kinds of machines at the gym. Um, just anything that gets your heart rate up that you can do in an interval style. Um, I mean, you can also, if you're looking for endurance rather than um, just looking for like a way to get your heart rate up, you could just do you could end with a 15 minute jog. Like if you just want to do some endurance training, but if you're really looking to just get a quick finisher in something that you can do intervals with, so you can work really hard for anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds and then rest for anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds and just have uh, alternate the two for five to 10 rounds. Yeah. And definitely you don't want to follow like the more is better approach here. So you don't want to go 45 seconds on and five seconds off and have these like crazy work to rest ratios like we we want the quality really high during the outputs um otherwise you're just kind of like you're just you're just making yourself really tired for no reason so like we can easily tell our members okay we're gonna do burpees for an hour and that's gonna get them really tired but that's not really gonna get them muscular development and it's not going to expose them to new movement patterns and it's not going to get their bodies uh prepared for other types of movements so you, you want to be strategic about it. You don't want to just get yourself tired. Right, right. right. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's it should, all said and done, that should be about an hour-long workout right there. Yeah. So you got your foam rolling, your warm-up, your power development, your, your three supersets of strength, which is really the meat and potatoes of your workout. Yeah. And then your finisher at the end. Your side dishes and you got dessert at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I'll do is I'll just type out the, the, the movement patterns, the joint by joints, the overall structure like A1, A2, B1, B2, like finisher and all that. Um, just to give you a visual representation because you might be driving your car or walking your dog and you just can't like write stuff down. So I'll just write it out for you. And then also a link to a video of a beginner total body workout and a and a intermediate total body workout that we posted on YouTube as well that will uh, give you a little bit more of a real life example of how this all plays out. But you know, hopefully this all helps you out. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, so there weren't many burning questions. It was just one burning question, <laughs> but hopefully it was it it did answer what a lot of you have been wondering or thinking about. So. Yeah. Oh, one other thing, actually, we didn't talk about sets and reps. So oh, that's, yeah. that could be like a whole <laughs> other podcast in itself, but. Basically, for A1, A2, those movements, we like to go lower reps, so anywhere from 1 to 5. For B1, B2, that might be anywhere from uh, 6 to 10 reps. And then C1, C2 tends to be like 8 to 12 or more. That's And that's our very, very general um, advice with it all. And then if you're just starting out, anywhere from 3 to 4 sets is going to be sufficient for all three of those supersets. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's general. And then we could maybe spend an entire podcast on, we'll do another one on core training and different <laughs> core variabilities and then also how to progress uh, sets and reps. Yeah. Oh, also uh, shoot us a message on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston and just let us know like if you like the Q&A format, if you like this sort of like deep dive into a singular topic or if you kind of like the mix of both. Just let us know just so we uh, can have a little bit more uh, market research on what you guys uh, are interested in. Love it. Cool. All right. I think that's all we have to say. So until next time. Wait, but you have a whole outro to say. But I I said, it's usually the burning questions thing, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I said we already answered them. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Oh, an iTunes review. (laughs) (laughs) A rating and review would help us a lot. Uh, We got a couple more from the last time, so 
it's very helpful. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And until next time. Peace. Love and, and muscles. muscles.